Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oops. Check, check, check. Uh, Hello, hi. Everything should be different right now. The world should feel like a totally different place uh, because something incredible happened last night. And uh, I see that everyone really wants to get right back to the fake news drawing board. Um, so the January 6th lie, uh, campaign of lies, the festival of deceit, was blown wide open once again last night. Uh, Got to hand it to Tucker Carlson. Um, Speaker McCarthy, for whatever reason, gave him all the video footage. And uh, uh, kind of uh, still a little bit burned about that. I think we should all have it. But Tucker did a great job of the access that he had. And he shows how it was all a great big lie. It really was. I mean, the face of the January 6th insurrection, so-called deadly insurrection. Who's the face? Who who do you think of? Who do the mainstream media want us to think of? The horns guy, the shaman or whatever he was, uh, Jacob Chansley. Remember him with the makeup and the horns running around? And uh, if you look closely, I always said he doesn't break anything. He's not hurting anybody. I always raise the question, how do they get inside? I also said, why is that cop <laughs> not arresting him? There, I've got two pieces of footage, one picture, one piece of footage that shows him essentially being um, escorted into the Senate like they wanted him to be there. Well, uh, Tucker got his hands on a lot more footage, and it – firmly establishes that the police are helping him. They're helping him every step of the way. It's confirmed. Now, quite frankly, I had a little bit of data, and I, I drew a conclusion, or a, a kind of a, um, what do you call it, an interim conclusion based on the evidence I had. Now we can up that conclusion. Look, I'm the only person in the world, quite frankly, who has an excuse to not cover the Tucker revelations um, but I'm covering them because, number one, I'm interested. Number two, greater context, more information. It's news. It blows the January 6th narrative out of the water. I always said, by the way, you heard me. I've been, I've been calling it January fixed for a couple of months now. It's January fixed. It's a hoax, the whole damn thing. They let the people inside. They wanted to tarnish the MAGA movement. They had to have a pretend insurrection that they could hang on us. So that Trump would never come back. Anyway, um, Tucker does have, i got to acknowledge this, the number one talk show in cable news and a huge audience. And it was on his show last night, brilliantly presented. And nobody's talking about it today. Not even Fox News. How about that, huh? Fox News doesn't cover their star anchor as exclusive information. Indisputably. Newsworthy information. And they just pretend it's uh, an ordinary Tuesday. 
Oh, Attorney General, former Attorney General Barr said something. Oh, there's a cartel, uh, something going on in Mexico. Like the ordinary stuff that's always the news. At Fox News, they're pretending that Tucker doesn't exist. Now, why is that? I think a couple of reasons. Number one, um, the bosses are uncomfortable with January 6th. Uh, it looks like clearly <laughs> the Murdochs are uncomfortable. I, 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 the Murdochs have hired a lot of people, and that's great. All right. They, they've done amazing things, but they think they kind of run the world. They think that they are more important than most elected officials, if not all elected officials, and that like everybody works for them, even if you don't work for them. So maybe I think that they're, they don't like Trump and they think this story helps Trump, which it does. Um, so there are those factors, and also good old-fashioned jealousy, all right? They're jealous of Tucker. They don't want to give him any more play. It's the biggest thing they got, and um, they don't want him to get any bigger. I don't know. That's what it seems. How do you justify that? How do you justify Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino, who pretend that they're ordinary straight-news journalists, not not paying any attention to this? I I saw most of the – if they did – if I missed it, I apologize. I don't think so, though. I just saw that. What is that other show they have? That Gab Fest where they have the girls and the guy in the middle outnumbered. They didn't talk about that. This is a talkable story. Jacob Chansley, the horns guy, was escorted in. We have now incontrovertible proof that he was escorted into the Senate chamber. The face of the insurrection was put there by police. Also, Officer Brian Sicknick. The Capitol Hill police officer who died a couple of days after January 6th, they lied and said that he was killed by a fire extinguisher to the head thrown by a MAGA supporter. Well, now we know from the coroner's report, and I've had this on my show, um, that it was uh, natural causes. He died of natural causes. Well, still, it had to be related to uh, something that happened on January 6th, bear spray, bug spray. Well, from Tucker's show, he got the footage. We see Officer Sicknick alive and well, well after any skirmish he had with protesters. He's walking around. He's totally fine. Um, it's incredible what they did. And during the summer when they were had those big hearings, I kind of didn't take it all that seriously. You know, I would play the Hogan's Heroes song, like, eh, no one's buying this stuff. Ultimately, I think people did. It spooked them. You know, let's face it. The midterms were a bit of a disaster for our side. They should, we should have gotten the Senate. It shouldn't have been so close in the House. Barely one of the House didn't take the Senate. With a guy like Biden in the White House, part of it was this full-scale kind of fake news coordinated effort to make January 6th seem like the worst thing that ever happened in this country. I think, what was their talking point since the War of 1812? Since the War of 1812. Some people went further. This is worse than 9-11. Day in and day out, you know, we got two parts of the brain, right? Don't we have like a read-only memory, a ROM and a RAM? You got your conscious and you got your subconscious. The conscious brain, for a lot of people, dismiss this stuff, but maybe the subconscious, night after night, day after day, for a year and a half, two years, did it make a difference? It just might have. It just might have. We know. I know it's fake, and I did my best on Newsmax and here to tell everybody it was fake. And to show night after night the footage of that cop waving people inside, of the other cops standing on either side just watching people walk in, welcome to the Capitol, and those three cops walking away at the moment of truth so Ashley Babbitt could be murdered. But, look, 
Newsmax is not yet the number one cable channel in the world. It's number four. We're working on it, okay? We're working on it. I'm on at 10 o'clock. Check it out. Uh, we don't have the exposure that they do at Fox, and that's fine. We're working on it, uh, and we're here. But the entire media establishment went with the fake news narrative, which even ordinary, even like regular people, they're, they're still spooked by it all. They're still kind of, oh, January 6th gets them very, very nervous. Corporate America. So we'll have, uh, I want to have more on that. I want to play Tucker and I got to give it, I got to give him credit again. Uh, he's just, uh, yeah, I would have liked that scoop. I would have liked that footage, but the story is more important. The story itself is more important than who got it. And he's got it. The story is important. Why won't Fox now even tell it? Why won't Fox say it? Now, you know who I'm going to have on tonight? The horns guy, Jacob Chansley. I'm going to have his mom on. <laughs> uh, I had her on once before. She's a great lady. I want to know some stuff. Apparently, the lawyers didn't even get access to this footage that showed the cops helping, helping and assisting and escorting the Horns guy into the United States Senate. I think that would have been very helpful in his defense. He's doing like four to six years in federal prison. Hard time, hard time. So she's going to be on. I kind of want to find out, hey, what was up with your lawyer? And the lawyer was a little bit spacey. Some guy named Watkins, I think, from St. Louis. He was a little bit out there. Um, so that's very important that it's out there in the public domain. Uh, you know, Tucker's stuff, my stuff, and also... It's in my book. It is in my book. And thank you for supporting it. Thank you very, very much. The book is out there, still available. Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. I thank you all to the thousands who have actually done it, who have purchased the book. I hope you like it. I hope it reads well. I hope you like the pictures. I picked them out with love. And I raise a lot of January 6th stuff, and I do it in book form. And I'll tell you this, I am probably the only one who has done it yet in book form, in literature. This stuff needs to be memorialized, okay? All the books that have been written about January 6th have been by fake news co-conspirators, all right? Fake news co-conspirators, including, oh, by the way, sorry to say, a lot of the Capitol Hill cops who... More, uh, more like overpowered, overwhelmed security guards than cops, than law enforcement officials. I back law enforcement. I support law enforcement. Uh, I feel like law enforcement's in my blood, people in uniform. I joined the Marine Corps. It's different from law enforcement, but, well, you know about my father. I feel like I, I get law enforcement. I really do, and I support them. However, I do know, and this is based on my time in uniform, that people in uniform make mistakes. Oh, boy, they can blow it. And they are, generally speaking, a cut above, you know, uh, civ- their civilian counterparts. But 20% of the time, at least, they're not. And they're worse. They're no better. And a lot of times, they're not nearly as good. I know people who have been court-martialed. I know people who are thrown in jail in the Marine Corps. I know, And, you know, support the troops, support the troops. We support law enforcement. we got to have our eyes open. Just because you're wearing a uniform doesn't make you a better person. And... <laughs> Again, those cops walking away, walking away just before Ashley Babbitt was shot. And that Ashley Babbitt, this happened. The whole country, you know why? You know why it's not a bigger story? Because she was a white woman. You know, they talk about missing white woman syndrome. Being white, being a woman, these are two major demerits. This is why you're not news. You know what they did? It was a campaign to shame white women. How dare you be white? How dare you be a woman? How dare you be privileged? And I think it worked because a lot of white women started to feel very self-conscious 
about things they had no control of over, things that really shouldn't matter, their complexion, their gender. And they tried to shame them into voting a certain way and punish them for voting for Trump. According to the polls in 2016, Trump would not have won without white women, and white women got the message and abandoned him. I hate talking about people in groups, you know, in that kind of way, but it's uh, it's it holds up when you look at the data. It does. All right. What else is going on? Hey, you want to know how we're going to fix train derailments? Let's ask Sherrod Brown. Who the hell is he? Sherrod Brown. This is the Ohio Democrat senator. Does this sound like it could do anything at all to make things safe? Or is it just to give him something to talk about, that he did something? Remember, after something goes wrong, all these politicians, they just want to say they did something, and they can point to it. This is a classic example of that. Cut 25. Hazardous material will come into Ohio, and they don't have to notify the state that they're here. They don't have to notify local fire departments. But how would the bipartisan legislation you introduced this week prevent disasters like this? Well, it does, a, it does a number of things. Uh, it, first of all, it, it requires notification. You're coming into the state carrying hazardous material. You're going to notify the governor's office, who will then notify local communities. You think that's going to work? Some train, some freight train is coming in at 3 o'clock in the morning. They're going to call up the governor, and the governor is going to call up every fire department along that route. Oh, no, it's not going to work that way. Greg will have a system. Let me guess, how many millions of dollars will it cost to set up that system? Who's going to get the contract to set up that system? And is the system going to work? Just a great big scam, isn't it? Isn't it? It's a Sherrod Brown, everybody. Sherrod Brown. Um, Joe Biden has not spoken about the terror attack that happened in Atlanta. You know, what happened in Atlanta, and mm, they're kind of pretending it didn't happen. Let's see. You got these things a little bit backwards, but let's try. Uh, cut 27. They said, Karine Jean-Pierre, White House Press Secretary, what about the attack that happened by Antifa against police in Atlanta? Did you see it on my show last night? It looked like an insurgent attack right out of Afghanistan. What about that? Huh? Cut 27. Wait, say that again. What, what was the protest? <laughs> say that again. What was the protest? Well, it happened in Atlanta. 34 people were arrested, uh, 23 charged with domestic terror. They tried to take over a police facility and then destroy it. That's the one we're talking about, Karine Jean-Pierre. What about it? Cut 28. Is the, what, is the president aware of this? Is the White House concerned about this escalating? Is the White House tracking this? And how worried is the White House about this? No, it, we have not been, I have not heard any discussions about this protest over the weekend, so we'd have to go back to the team and see where we are, where we're standing, and, and uh, our response on that. Just This is the first time I'm hearing on about uh, this protest over the weekend, so just would have to come back with you to you on that. Wow. Domestic terror attack, huh? Domestic, real, not fake, like January 6th, but real. And they don't know and they don't care. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'm still getting used to the new volume switch. I got a little arrow on it, but, well, all right. Uh, we're back. We're back. Uh, oh, now they're they're figuring out. They're trying to. Uh, they're nitpicking his report. They're just saying, "Oh no, no, no!" It's uh, he got this wrong. He didn't get anything wrong. Tucker Carlson just demolished 
some of the biggest lies about January 6th, and it should be changing everything, but people are digging in even deeper, deeper into their fake news holes. Uh, it's, it's kind of incredible. Hey, why did Joe Biden go? What was this to the 58th anniversary of the Civil Rights March in Selma, Alabama? It was the 58th anniversary of the march over that bridge 58 years later. Do you ever go, does anybody ever acknowledge the 58th anniversary of anything other than a birthday, if it's yours, um, an anniversary, a wedding anniversary, if it's yours? <laughs> but I think the 50th and the 60th, maybe the 65th, maybe even the 55th, but the 58th, why did he do that? It was a chance to pander and try to further rip this country apart along racial lines. Hey, thanks a lot, Joe. Be back. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority PriorityGoldGuide.com. Greg Kelly, Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I, you know, it's really wild. Um, I got a picture right here, about to put it on my Twitter, of uh, Jacob Chansley, the horns guy, on January 6th, and he's being given directions by one of the cops. He's being given directions. Like, it's, 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 and this picture is somewhat hard to find. Even the Wall Street journalist cropped it in a way where you can't see the cop. All you do, all they show is him howling at the moon. But a cop is actually giving him directions. And, uh, here's a little bit from, uh, Tucker's show, which should be the most, uh, talked about, uh, media event in the last couple of months, at least years, if not. This is cut two, please. Cut two. To prove the insurrection was deadly, propagandists pointed to the death of an officer called Brian Sicknick. The mob killed Officer Brian Sicknick. That's what they said. It was their single most powerful indictment of the January 6th protesters and of Donald Trump and of Republican voters nationally. They repeated that claim for years. They are still repeating it. At first, they told the country that Officer Sicknick was murdered with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the fight. That story came from the New York Times, which is effectively the assignment editor for most of the rest of American media. It was a lie, untrue in any way. But only after that lie had hardened into conventional wisdom did the newspaper bother to retract it. The New York Times has quietly retracted its story about the death of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. The damage had been done. Brian Sicknick, himself a Trump voter, had been transformed without his consent into a political martyr of the left. His memory was shamelessly exploited by the incoming Biden administration. In February of 2021, Sicknick's body lay in state in the Capitol Rotunda, where a parade of unscrupulous politicians made use of it. Here's Joe Biden. Breaking down the doors, trying to overturn an outcome of election, and killing several police officers in the meantime. But Brian Sicknick should not be reduced to a prop for the political ambitions of the Democratic Party. He was a human being. The facts of his life matter, including how he died. 
about that, huh? How about that? Brian Sicknick. You know, even here I am defending the horns guy. I remember doing that early on, but I had to spend a lot of time saying he should be condemned for what he did. He should be condemned for what he did. He's got to be punished for what he did. Um, because, well, number one, that was kind of like to be able to say what, what I was about to say next. I felt like I had to say that to give myself kind of clearance to do so. Um, and I kept saying he didn't break anything. He didn't hurt anybody, but I assumed that he, broke into the Capitol. I just assumed that. I assumed that he had been told to leave, and he didn't leave, and he was there, and there's no evidence of that. There is no evidence of that. In fact, there's evidence, again, that he was <laughs> he was assisted every step of the way. And Brian Sicknick, you know what a big deal they try to make out of that? Poor guy. You know, he died a couple of days later of something unrelated to January 6th, but they mythologized him to the point that Prince William, Prince William got wind of it and sent the family, like, you know, condolence notes. And I guess it's always nice when you send a police officer a condolence note, a police officer who who, who dies while still wearing the uniform on active duty or, you know, still a cop. But his injuries were unrelated to his job. Would Prince William have been, if they didn't lie about Brian Sicknick, Prince William never would have heard about it. All right. Was that number two? Was that number? That was. Oh, okay, let's uh, let's hear one more. It's got uh, cut four, please. Cut four. To this day, media accounts describe Sicknick as someone who was quote slain on January sixth. The video we reviewed proves that is a lie. Here is surveillance footage of Sicknick walking in the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by the mob outside. By all appearances, Sicknick is healthy and vigorous. He's wearing a helmet, so it's hard to imagine he was killed by a head injury. Whatever happened to Brian Sicknick was very obviously not the result of violence he suffered at the entrance to the Capitol. This tape overturns the single most powerful and politically useful lie the Democrats have told us about January 6th. And it was indeed a lie. The January 6th committee knew perfectly well that Brian Sicknick was walking normally through the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by Trump supporters. And they know that because they saw this tape. We can be sure because the footage contains an electronic bookmark that is still archived in the Capitol's computer system. That means that investigators working for the Democratic Party reviewed this tape. They saw it. But they refused to release the tape to the public. Why? Because this tape would shatter the fraud they were perpetrating on the country. Because hiding the truth served their political interest. They lied about the police officer they claimed to revere. If they were willing to do that, then their dishonesty knew no limits. It's pretty powerful stuff. And one of the reasons why it's so powerful, well, the evidence itself, you got to see it. you got to see it to believe it. And part of it is, quite frankly, that it's coming from Tucker. And you got to remember this about Tucker. Tucker, you know, well, lives in the swamp, was of the swamp. I, actually, I don't think he li- I don't know if he lives there anymore, but he grew up kind of in those circles, all right? I mean... You know, you remember him on CNN with the bow tie, okay? He was on CNN. He was on MSNBC. He was, he worked, he's worked everywhere and was very much kind of, he was a conservative, but an establishment person probably, right? You know, kind of, but uh, over the past, what, 10 years, 15 years, I mean, he has um, kind of just been, what's the word? Revitalized. Uh, his eyes opened. I mean, he, you have to know the swamp to kind of understand it and then reject it and then show everybody else how corrupt it is. 
you know, and it's it's a it's a major advantage that he has. And some people are still in shock that, oh, my gosh, how could Tucker be saying this about, you know, the swamp that he comes from? Well, because he comes from it. He knows it (laughs) and he's turned on it and he's embraced America. It's very, very good. It's good for us. It's good for the country. Um, But since he turned his back on the swamp, the swamp will never forgive it, never forgive him. And uh, he's right. They're trying to say uh, (laughs) the Capitol Police Chief comes out against him. How? 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 Capitol Police Chief should be right now under fire at a press conference with hostile questions coming in. Why were your officers observed walking around with uh, Jacob Chansley, the horns guy? Why were they escorting him, not arresting him? That's the question. That is the question. It's amazing what they're getting away with. All right, here's another guy. I really like Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri, Senator, brilliant dude. They falsely try. Now, I've made all of these points, by the way. This is not... I like it that it's been repackaged. There's more evidence, but there's more evidence, so it's inconclusive. It's com- totally conclusive. But I was doing the same thing based on, well, not as much evidence, but to me it was conclusive. I have pictures of uh, Jacob Chansley being pointed to the Senate chamber. I had uh, the coroner's report of uh, Officer Sicknick did not die on January 6th because of January 6th. He didn't. Now, Josh Hawley, they tried to say that he stirred up the crowd and then he ran away like a coward. Not true. Neither is true. That came up last night, too. Go ahead. When the committee wasn't accusing Republican officeholders of planning riots on January 6th, it was accusing them of running away from those riots like cowards. In the case of Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, the committee and their allies accused him of both. Josh Hawley is a To prove that Josh Hawley was a coward... The committee released video of him loping out of the building on the afternoon of January 6th with a police escort. The tape became a staple on social media. Democrats laughed with derision. Later that day, Senator Hawley fled after those protesters he helped to rile up stormed the Capitol. See for yourself. But in fact, the surveillance footage we reviewed shows that famous clip was a sham, edited deceptively by the January 6th committee. The clip was propaganda, not evidence. Stop for a second. The act- the, what it showed, and everybody laughed, he just seems to be jogging down the hallway a little bit, jogging. It's funny, when Mitt Romney was jogging down the hallway, it was, oh my gosh, look at him, he's, what a hero, he's running to save democracy, but they all laugh out loud. But it wasn't really, it wasn't even a jog, it was like somebody trying to catch a train. You know, I mean, and, and not that not that caught up about it. Like, they know that there's going to be another train in 25 minutes. Hell, I'll take that one if I miss this one. So it wasn't a desperate lunge for the train. And later, he's going down an escalator, and they try to say the same thing. Look at it. He's running. And he's not. He looks like it's straight out of Mad Men, right? He looks like Don Draper going to catch the, uh, the 524 up to Osning or wherever the hell he lived in that show. All right, keep going with that Tucker clip, please. The actual videotape shows that Hawley was one of many lawmakers being ushered out of the building by Capitol Hill police officers. And in fact, Hawley was at the back of the pack. The coward tape was a lie, one of many from the January 6th committee. Well, good job. Good job. Uh, What are the ramifications? Well, uh, (laughs) the swamp is circling the wagons trying to protect itself. Again, the, the Capitol Hill police chief, what a what a political figure this guy is. He puts a statement out on this. Didn't put a statement out on Ashley Babbitt, by the way. 
He puts a statement out on this. Oh, Tucker Carlson did this wrong. He cherry picked. It's a disgrace. No, you're a disgrace. You are a disgrace. I think his name is Manger. Manger. What, I'm going to go to work on that guy tonight. Look at his statement. Uh, unbelievable what they did. And I guess in a way they got away with it, but you know, long term, it's not going to work out that way. Uh, Tony is in Clifton. Hello. So my thoughts on this have always just been on securing something that could be evidence. And nothing was uh, archived, I, I don't think. And so everything seems a bit have, haphazard, as good as Tucker is. And to me, if I was... Well, hold on a second. Hold on. I mean, what are you, uh, what are you basing that on? Because they've got the files. It's at 41,000 hours of it or so. Uh, they said, and it made sense, of that, only about a couple of hundred hours are usable because a lot of that footage, you know, had empty corridors or just, you know, I don't know, five hours of footage of some room in the Cannon House office building. I mean, you didn't need all that stuff. And he said last night that there was a system that they could go through it methodically and... It was archived. Why, why are you worried about that? It's all in one place. It's just access to it that we got to be worried about. They didn't give access to the defendants, to the January 6th defendants. They didn't give access to the American people. They uh, didn't come clean about what was in it, the January 6th committee. So I wouldn't worry about that. It's all in one place. It's the access that we want, the access. So let me tell you what I'm thinking. I'm thinking if, if it seems like if I was someone who was in jail, Will I be waiting until all these footages come out slowly, however they're coming out? Or all right, so the the, the release, the release. Stop using the word archive. All right, they're they're there. It doesn't matter archive. They you're worried about access. All right, you're you're a January sixth defendant. You want to you want to have access to it. That's a different. That's a different issue. It's It exists in the physical world. These things have been digitized. They exist. Kevin McCarthy now runs the house. He's got them. Unfortunately, he's only released them to Tucker Carlson, and I think he's allowed some January 6th defendants and litigants to review it as well. But I think it's uh, – I, I, I don't think it's an archive issue. I think it's an access issue. I, I know maybe it's just a word issue with between you and me. Yes, you're right. It's access. It's it's identifying and and accessing. So, how many people are waiting in jail? Like you know, because according to Mark Levin, you know, if any of these were his clients, he would then go and say, "Hey, look at the footage. This is my client." So that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. No. I mean, that's uh, look. I'm going to have uh, Mrs. Chansley on tonight. Jacob's mom. I mean, to me, this. <laughs> this blows the case against your son wide open. Oh, by the way, why didn't your attorney have this? I want to double check. Did the attorney have this? You know, some of these attorneys, when they came in, and I don't know about Jacob Chansley's attorneys, but, you know, they came in thinking that they were representing terrorists because of how they had been demonized by the media, right? Some of these lawyers, you know, they didn't come in with an open mind. It's like defending 9-11 hijackers. Well, or, or uh, what was that guy's name? Then 20th hijacker, Musawi, Zacharias Musawi. If you're appointed to defend him, you know, what's your, what's your attitude? What's your approach? Did the attorneys assume that these guys were guilty? I know there's another guy who's really great on all this. Anyway, I got to it's, it's, it's all interesting and it must be cleared up soon. Tony, access is important. Watch my show tonight at 10 o'clock. Let's do one more. Let's get, uh, 
Maria in Short Hills, hello. Hi, Greg. Thanks for taking my call. All I want to say is God bless you and God bless Tucker for exposing the truth about January the 6th and for you for keeping the memory of Ashley Babbitt alive. Now, was I surprised this morning when I turned on the fake news that none of this was exposed? Yes, I was, but not really, because you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of October of 2020, before the presidential election. Remember what the fake news? did to the post and they're trying to do the same thing again now very interesting that is a great comparison you're right what an interesting comparison and the only coverage is to try to debunk it oh i like that maria they're not going to do it in 2024 because we, the people, are not going to allow it. So, Maria, you've been watching very carefully. Listen, I uh, and I've come to terms with this. I'm okay with it. Like, I'll just reiterate. You know, I've been saying this. I, I've used the footage that is available, and I've used the documentary, the, the the footage that's available, and the pictures to establish what Tucker established last night with more evidence. Uh, I, you know, am I? I feel a little bit like. You know, I've been saying this all along, but granted, I did not, I did not have all of the footage that he has, and that's good. I'm just glad it's out there. So I shouldn't feel frustrated, right? No, but you know what? I would love to see you on his show. The two of you would be great together. Uh, he's, he's got his own show. I got mine. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And w- I wouldn't have minded, quite frankly, uh, plugging my book on that show. Uh, that would have been nice. But, uh, you know, Fox News, Newsmax, I think there's some tension there, to be honest. I mean, we're, comp- we're competitors in- at the end of the day. Not at the end of the day. Tucker's a true believer, I believe. Um, but a lot of folks over there, it's just a business and it's just this, it's just that. But who knows? Who knows? Um, all right. Thank you very much, Maria. Oop, I'm out of time. I'll be right back. Thank you. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. One of the most striking things about the new footage is uh, the details of and, and, and the um, the moments of Jacob Chansley being basically escorted through the Capitol by cops. And not like uh, you come here, you're under arrest. It's like Jacob Chansley is just on a, on a walking tour. <laughs> and they're trying to facilitate his walking tour. They're trying to facilitate it. Now, I have a picture, and I've used this on my Newsmax show, a whole bunch of Chansley and a couple of other <laughs> people um, right outside the Senate. And the cop is has his arm out, like right this way. Like he's giving them directions, and now we know, well, they were. They were. Here's more of Tucker from last night. Dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison, far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. 
We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for paying the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us in this building. Contrast the reality of what Jacob Chansley did in the Capitol building on January 6th. The industry. Oh, we're going to cut it off right there. All right, that's fine. Um, the cops facilitated it. The cops facilitated it. Now, why? Who, who ordered them? Um, was it Nancy Pelosi, the sergeant at arms? Uh, were they actually explicitly ordered? Who the hell knows? I don't know. Too bad we don't have a, a committee. Uh, you know, that could get to the bottom of it. You know, maybe we could call it a January 6th committee. Oh, shoot, we had one of those, didn't we? Okay. And instead of telling us the truth, they were just committed to um, hurting Donald Trump and taking him out of circulation. Well, that failed, okay? Donald Trump is still the leading contender for the Republican nomination by about a 1,000 miles, and it did not work. This was all done to hurt Trump and also... Uh, give them an advantage in the midterms. Notice how they, they spaced it out, right? They spaced it out all the way just before the midterms. Wow. Oh, Sandra, one more before we hit that uh, commercial. Sandra, yes. Oh, you're so sweet. I wanted to say, as you just said, this was aimed to stop Donald Trump. And you know what I think after seeing this footage, more of it? These people should all be freed from prison right now, really. That's what I think. I agree with you. I totally and completely agree with you. They should be allowed out of jail. Um, and if it were a normal courtroom and the judges were playing by the rules, they would. They would be. This throws everything in doubt. And uh, we're very grateful that we have it, albeit quite late. Uh, thank you, Sandra. I'll be back. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, this is getting uh, very good, very interesting. All the usual suspects coming forward and saying, I am shocked and offended that Tucker Carlson would ever say such a thing, such as the truth. I could see why you would be offended and shocked. The truth is kind of shocking these days, isn't it? <laughs> uh, they're shocked and offended. How could Tucker Carlson say the Capitol Police acted as tour guides? That is shocking and offensive. Um, mm, all right. All right. So what do you say about it? What actually was happening there? Uh, they're quibbling. They're quibbling. And this is what they call a non-denial denial the very famous non-denial denial as made famous by i think uh, bob woodward came up with that one and all the president's men um guys have you figured out yet that uh, eric adams is a total and complete fraud all right uh i know it you know it uh there are plenty of people though who are too lazy or too rich or too checked out or perhaps they don't live in the city uh perhaps they feel very good somehow oh wow look at this we're endorsing this black man don't think that is not part of the equation okay quite frankly I don't understand why, but there are individuals in the conservative media that have lower standards. Some of them do. Lower standards for a person of color than for a white person. Because, quite frankly, uh, I don't think they ever would have tolerated just talk from a white mayor. They're totally and completely satisfied with just talk from a black mayor. 
He can just talk and talk and talk, and that's fine. What about actions? What about results? Forget about it. They're not they. As long as Eric Adams presents well and says nice things, that satisfies them. It doesn't satisfy a bunch of editorial writers who live in uh, outside of New York, New Jersey, Long Island, whatever. You come in. You, this is a this is uh, a project. This is. This is an essay project for you. This is our lives, all right? My children are here. And for anybody who thinks this is a reasonable guy, he talked about God the other day. He talked about God in the most moving way. Well, he's all for having those transgender drag queens, whatever the hell they are, hang around schools and talk to my kids, all right? That's what he's okay with. That was his one of his first major tests, and he came down on the side of the T in LGBT. All right. And actually, there are a lot of T's, oh, by the way, who are not down with the D's, the drags. It gets very confusing and very complicated, needlessly so. If only we could just focus on reading, learning, um, I don't know, math, maybe, because the Chinese don't have any uh, freaks hanging around the classroom. I'll tell you that the Chinese don't do it in China. I'm talking about and, right. Chinese Communist Party. Don't, they don't stand for uh a drag time story hour. I don't think they do that in Russia either, okay? I don't think they do it in North Korea, somebody else we may have to fight pretty soon. I don't know. Um, where Where is this actually happening? It's happening in countries that are in decline. Western Europe, America. Is this taking off in South America? I don't know. I have no idea. South America, this is not something that I think flies outside of um, North America and Western Europe. I just can't imagine this going down in South America. I can't imagine it going down in Africa. Um, I just can't imagine it. I, You know, one thing about Africa, the people there are not afraid to talk about their faith. They're not afraid to talk about it. For the leader of the country, right? I mean, I, I, I saw, who was it? The president of Uganda. I, I don't know how I, it was on Twitter. And some reporter said, a group of transsexuals would like a meeting with you. You know what he did? He laughed. (laughs) He just laughed. He laughed. He just thought it was uh, uh, an idiotic idea. And in a lot of ways, it is. All right? I mean, because there was no follow-up. There was no, like, you know, a bunch of women who want to talk to you about what? I guess they just wanted to talk about being transsexual. Is that it? Is that it? What? And uh, that didn't fly with the leader of Uganda. I don't know what his agenda is. I've never been to Uganda. I don't know anything about it. Although I did see Last King of Scotland, very good movie, about Idi Amin, who used to run the show there in, in Uganda. I also saw uh, The Raid on Entebbe, a TV movie from the 1970s. And um, Idi Amin, remember him? Wow. Uh, that was uh, He was one character and a bad dude, apparently. So uh, hopefully they've cleaned up their act in Uganda, okay? Um, hey, remember what Tucker did last night. Very dangerous, right? Very dangerous. I mean, the insurrectionists will know that there are security cameras in the Capitol. I showed a, I showed footage last night. Every time anybody has ever... We, we know what security camera footage looks like. We know no matter where we go, there's a security camera. They actually tried to say that somehow... Releasing this footage will tell future insurrectionists where the cameras are, and they can plan accordingly, and that will jeopardize the members of Congress, their lives. Cut 20, please. Cut 20. Sharing that footage is a grave mistake that risks emboldening the supporters of the big lie. What he did 
in terms of the lens of capital security and national security, there's really no excuse for it. House Democrats have been pretty clear that providing security footage uh, in a manner that would jeopardize protocols. The truth is this doesn't belong in the public domain or anybody. He is risking uh, the security of himself and of his colleagues uh, and of the Capitol uh, itself. Why is it when the 7-Eleven gets robbed or something weird happens and it goes, we, we all see that, right? Why is that? Why is it that uh, when the police are involved in anything controversial, we get to see the body cam footage right away? Well, why is that okay and we can't see the evidence from Capitol Hill? Because it's going to tell us the whole story, everybody, and it's going to dispel their fake news narrative right out of the water which it's doing. But I'll, I, I'm actually impressed. And I think it was Maria from New Jersey made a great point. What's happening right now is a lot like October of 2020. They ignored they ignored the laptop, and when they actually engaged the laptop, they tried to debunk the laptop. And now this. They're ignoring the new information uh, about January 6th, or for me, confirmed, double, triple confirmed, because I already knew a lot of this stuff. And I presented not as much evidence as uh, Tucker had last night, but substantial persuasive evidence um, earlier uh, that you know, raised serious questions about the treatment and the, the behavior of Capitol Hill police and whether the, they were complicit in this whole thing. Um, where was I? Let me go to Helen for a second. Helen, hi. Yeah, what's up? Hi there. I was, and I was there January 6th. You were? Oh, my gosh. Let me get you. Where are I got to call the cops. Uh, only kidding. Helen, oh, yeah. what's going on? I was there. And I was in the cul-de-sac there, and I was on um, facing the building. I was on the right side of the cul-de-sac. And I watched people, well, they would dress in police uniforms, uh, go up to the gates, pull the gates down, and wave the people in and let them all go up the stairs. And then someone else had gone up who was with the you know, close by to me. They came back. They said, you know what? I, I went up there, and I went to open the door, and it was locked. And some guy next to me says, hey, go, go ahead, break, break down the door, go ahead. But in retrospect, I says, this was all a setup. That guy, I, you know, in retrospect, when I thought about everything, it was all a setup. My uh, opinion. Yeah, I, wow, so you were there, you saw it, and you felt it, you felt it. Somebody encouraged you to break something? Not me, the person who was a few, he was a few steps away from me. He went up to the, to the, the, the door. I didn't go up. I stayed in the, in the cul-de-sac. But when he came back, he said, they told me, they told, the guy said, go ahead, break it down. You're a big guy. Break it down. And um, he said, the guy said, uh, the, the guy that was you know, a few doors, uh, a few feet away from me had said, listen, I have nothing against this guy. He's, he, you know, he's, I'm just up here because everybody came up here. I'm not breaking, you know, he just, you know, alluded, I'm not breaking anything down. Yeah. But then, you know, and he came back and he told my guy, you know what, this is a setup. This is a total setup. Was that I a, wonder if those people were really cops that, that had cops uniforms on. Um, I think, actually, you wonder. You wonder. You, everything's on the table here. Everything is on the table. When you have the director of the FBI who can't rule out, who can't dismiss the notion that there were FBI informants dressed as MAGA supporters, as Trump supporters, waiting for the crowd to arrive inside the Capitol, not a, that they were planted inside the Capitol, that he couldn't come out and say that did not happen. Wow. And that they could not, they played that game with Sicknick. Uh, so you didn't go inside. Well, that's good. And you came home. Did you, uh, what else, what else, any other memories from that day? 
Oh, just uh, the um, the smoke bombs being uh, you know blown, you know shot off the you know the people walking up from uh, from uh, where, where uh, the president was talking and um, but they were but then in retrospect again these are part of the uh, the other group these are the troublemakers these are the instigators they weren't the people who came down to just uh, peacefully protest know what was going on with hey, the election one thing i have seen footage it's hard to find and unfortunately most of it's tiktok and you know what happens with tiktok they put little silly graphics all over it and you got voices and it becomes like a cartoon almost but i saw in a tiktok video that everybody's just kind of standing around not much is going on and then all of a sudden flashbangs go off flashbangs smoke grenades whatever they are bam bam and then like basically you had a crowd of people who weren't doing anything they lob these grenades in there, and then they start kind of freaking out and, and, and getting mad, which, you know, I don't know. Somebody threw a stun grenade at me, and I wasn't doing anything. Helen, did you witness anything like that? Yes. That was, that, as I said, I was on the, the right side of the cul-de-sac looking at the, at the Capitol. And um, coming up from around where the president had been speaking, there was a group of people doing just that with those smoke bombs shooting them off. Pretty amazing. Well, listen, I'm glad you didn't go inside. I'm glad you're back. Um, and by the way, when people find out you were there on January 6th, do they, uh, you know, oh, my gosh, do they look at you funny? Do they try to, do they call you a terrorist? Do they freak out? Do they overreact? Well, actually, only my closest friends I told, they go, oh, my God, really, what happened? That's all. However, this is the first time that the whole world knows now. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. Uh, I, uh, you didn't, you know what? It's funny. It's amazing how they make us feel sometimes, right? You know? It's amazing how they make us feel. You were there. You were. You were. You were. You were a half mile away from the Capitol, and you know you. You got. It's almost like you got a secret, right? You know, for a long time there, you couldn't talk about the election. This is what they want. They don't want us talking about the election. That you, if you talk about the election, it leads to January sixth. Ergo, talk about the election must be prohibited because it can lead to a riot. It can lead to a deadly insurrection. That's what they've done. It's a lie. We know it. You know it. It's amazing. It's a great place to be free. We've got to convince everybody else. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe we let God do the work. Helen, I thank you very, very much. Uh, oh, let's try one more. I've got another uh, 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 Susan in Philadelphia. Yes, Susan. Yes. Hi. How are you? Fine. Good, good. I'm a friend of Sandra Baruch uh, from New Jersey. I'm from Philadelphia. All right. And uh, she got me to uh, read your book, uh, Mr. Kelly's book on uh, mm. justice for all. And I have to tell you, I absolutely loved it. Uh, you know, in Philly, as in many other cities, we've had a lot of crime problems. And I guess my question is, how do we get more people in this country on the side of law and order? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. How do we get more people on the side? I don't know. What I do say in the book is that we who are on the side of law and order have to be more active. We have to engage. We have to organize. You know, as to convincing the, the, the radicals, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to do that. But maybe there are some reasonable people out there. Now I'm answering my own question. We're keeping their head down. In the book, you may remember, I say it's important. It sounds corny. It sounds simplistic to write letters to elected officials, to write letters, pen to paper, not putting an email on their website, not uh, tweeting something. All that stuff evaporates. Too easy to ignore. Writing a letter. Also, uh, talking about race. I mean, right now, the far left, they're the ones, they're the only ones who can talk about race, no matter what their color. And it inhibits uh, others 
people, mainstream people, no matter what your color is, from talking about race. Um, what else can we do? We can um, thank police. We can, but you know what? This is an existential, I don't know. This is, those are modest, very modest uh, suggestions. But I think, I think they can, I think they can grow. I think they can. We can't be afraid. You know, too many, it's one thing to keep your head down if you have a talk, if you, um, I don't know, if you're in media or if you're on Wall Street, but I'm surprised at how many working class people, and I get it, don't want to talk about these things publicly because they're afraid of, uh, the cancel police. Anyway, listen, Susan, what do you have in mind? Any ideas? Well, I think, you know, spreading the word is important. Uh, right now, I, we have a mayoral election, and, uh, you know, I want to hear what our candidates have to say about it uh, and try to get people to vote for a candidate that will be more oriented toward restoring law and order. Because, you know, there's no incentive for people now not to commit crimes. And when I read about what's going on in different cities like Washington, D.C., where they want to soften the uh, punishments, you know, this is not going to solve the problem. Well, we also need better candidates and candidates who are unafraid. And I'll, I'll tell you, Susan, you're in uh, Philadelphia. I'm in New York City. But I am very seriously considering a run for mayor of New York. Um, I have some concerns. I have concerns about the fairness of the election. I have concerns about the the balloting and ballots all over the place, but with a year and a half, two years head start and an up or down vote on election day, November of 2025, I know I can beat Eric Adams and I just might. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I am very interested in, uh, uh, this this Capitol Hill police chief. His name is Manger. And man, oh man, what a B-I-T-C-H. I'm sorry. This guy is a, he works for, he works for Democrats. For him to come out with such a political statement. You know, he's supposed to be somewhat apolitical. I know he works on Capitol Hill. Um, Politico. He is totally, this is a Nancy Pelosi, the staff at Nancy Pelosi draft this thing for him. <clears throat> Comes out. And blast Tucker Carlson, but if you read it carefully, he can't actually dispute what Tucker's talking, what Tucker's actually alleging, what Tucker lays out in the, um, in the program. Now, where, what did I do with that letter? Sorry about that. Here's Chuck Schumer condemning the whole damn thing. Cut 10, please. I condemn Mr. Carlson <laughs> for siding with the enemies of democracy. Oh. I strongly condemn Speaker McCarthy's actions and fiercely oppose his decision to share this footage with Carlson. I urge Fox News to order Carlson to cease propagating the big lie on his network and to level with their viewers about the truth, the truth behind the efforts to mislead the public. Conduct like theirs is just asking for another January 6th. Oh, wow. Letting the people know what's going on, showing the people the evidence. That's uh, right. Hmm? That's democracy. That's transparency. We can see it. We can't even see it. Wow. You're the disgrace, Chuck. You really are. Um, a man who uh, seems to stand for nothing. There was a time, believe it or not, where he was n- somewhat reasonable. I once confronted him. Actually, it didn't start as a conf- confrontation. I'm like, Senator! Hey, uh, I got this uh, clip here of you in 2006 saying you're all for a border uh, wall. 
I guess you called it offense at the time, but same difference, right? He freaked out. He totally lost his uh, you-know-what. Demanded the cameras be turned off. Called our bosses. He just, man, oh, man, he is uh, intimidated by the far left. They don't like any fence. They don't like any wall. He just goes where the wind blows. We've seen that before. Be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow, what a broken police department. Uh, The Capitol Hill Police, what a joke. After that, uh, look, they were either totally complicit or completely incompetent. Maybe a little bit of both. So Tucker Carlson has that amazing program last night. uh, Very important evidence. And right now they should be um, explaining themselves. (laughs) At least uh, they should be hounded. Uh, If they have a story to tell, they should be telling it in a press conference or or something, right? I mean, this is fascinating information and fascinating footage. You got police officers escorting Jacob Chansley around the Capitol. Uh, not like he's in custody, but like they're showing him the way around the Capitol. And at times it looks like Jacob Chansley is actually in charge of the cops. It actually looks like the cops are his assistants. So the chief of the Capitol Hill Police, I think his name is Manger, uh, he puts out a statement this morning. Uh, last night, an opinion program aired commentary that was filled with offensive and misleading conclusions about the January 6th attack. Ooh, you're offended. Offended. Okay, well, that's very, that's, uh, that's powerful stuff. If you can be offended, right? Once you're offended, that's, you can weaponize that. You can use that. The opinion program, what difference does it make if it's an opinion program? You trying to say something there? Oh, it's not a fact-based program? What's the problem? The opinion program never reached out to the department to provide accurate context. Hmm, let me think about this for a second. Never reached out. I don't know. Did the fake news reach out to the Minneapolis Police Department after um, uh, George Floyd died to, to get accurate context? Is that how it works? How about in Memphis when we saw all that? Did it? Did they reach out right away? Didn't the sto- didn't the videotape kind of tell the story? Last night's videotape told the story. One false allegation is that our officers helped the rioters and acted as tour guides. This is outrageous and false. Okay, how is it outrageous and false? Hmm. The department stands by the officers in the video that was shown last night. Okay, if they weren't tour guides, what were they? I mean, it wasn't literally a tour, but something... You're being very literal in the denial. You see what they do here? One false allegation is that our officers helped the rioters and acted as tour guides. This is outrageous and false. The department stands by our officers in the video that was shown last night. Then he writes something totally unrelated. I don't have to remind you. What an amateurish thing to write in a press release, by the way. I don't have to remind you. Who? Who are you talking about? How outnumbered our officers were on January 6th. Yeah, well, whose fault was that, you dummy? Huh? Whose fault was that? You can talk to the police chief who came before you, right? The intel systems, everything, everything was in the works with you guys. Oh, we're going to buy that equipment. Uh, we had a plan to uh, set up that system. Everything was off. Uh, you put one person, one person protecting the East Gate. One person, one person, one cop. By himself. So you know what you do? You call for backup. Maybe you even liaise ahead of time with other law enforcement agencies. Gee, I think I heard of that happening somewhere. 
Somebody told me about that. Those officers did their best to use de-escalation tactics to try to talk to rioters into getting each other to leave the building. Oh, ho, 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 ho. now you're outright deceiving, folks. You are outright. You are an out and out liar. I see. Oh, oh, this is a this is a new one. They were using de-escalation tactics to try to talk to rioters into getting each other to leave the building. Hmm. That's not what we saw. And that's not what happened. You will lie for your power, won't you? You will lie for status. You will lie. You are a liar, Chief Manger. You are a liar. The program conveniently cherry-picked from the calmer moments of our 41,000 hours of video. Well, you guys have been cherry-picking the intense moments from the... (laughs) It's on a loop, nonstop. This is part of the story, cherry-picking. It's 41,000 hours long. We're going to put 41,000 hours of television, right? 41,000. We're going to sit around 41,000 hours. You go to the important part. You go to the part that shows the cop with the beard showing him around, escorting him, unlocking doors for him, and not arresting him. Why didn't you arrest him? The commentary fails to provide context about the chaos and violence that happened before or during these less tense moments. Well, what's the context, you jerk? Fill us in. What happened? What don't we know? (laughs) It's not in there. It's not in there. All right, I'm going to take a brief pause from that. Jacqueline in Brooklyn. Hello, Jacqueline. Yes. Are you there? Uh, Never mind. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. We have a special guest. Folks, you know what? I am considering getting, actually, I've already made the decision to get a concealed carry permit. You know, New York State... Uh, recently, well, they lost in federal court. The U.S. Supreme Court said that the rules uh, that New York State came up with, the artificial rules preventing law-abiding citizens from getting a gun, they were all unconstitutional. And now as we have an opportunity to get ourselves a concealed carry permit. If you want one, if you're law-abiding, if you think you're able, uh, you got to go see the people at uh, the Global Security Group, and I'm joined right now by David Katz, a former senior special agent with the Drug Enforcement Administration, and he's the CEO of the Global Security Group. These guys provide the mandatory training. Even if you know this stuff already, you got to get the mandatory training, and you got to get it stamped. you got to get a certificate so you can get the concealed carry permit. David Katz, uh, welcome. How are you? I'm very well, Greg. How are you? Uh, terrific, terrific. Uh, so that's the deal, right? I mean... Uh, that's the gist of it. Everything is different now after that Supreme Court decision. Law-abiding New Yorkers can get this thing, and we can go to you to get it. Well, yeah. The, what the Supreme Court did was say that that the there was, it was really a, in New York City that was that was problematic, and, and to a greater extent, other places in New York State you could apply for and obtain a carry permit. In New York, you had to show what was called what they called proper cause, and proper cause was was. Had to be you had to have a business with a lot of cash or, or or you know valuable property, and it was very very restrictive. And I and I if, I'm, if my statistic was correct got correct, there were only there were fewer than two thousand active non law enforcement carry permits in New York City prior to the uh, the Bruin decision. All right. So with that in mind, I want to get a gun. I've never committed the crime. I want a gun because things are out of control. Um, I don't want to use a gun, but if I have to, I need one. And I feel like a lot of other people feel the same way or in the same boat. 
Um, I have some uh, firearms experience, but not a, you know, it's a long time ago. It was in the Marine Corps. Uh, what do I got to do? Well, the first thing, no matter what your skill level, and this, is, this includes retired law enforcement, so this is just across the board, you need to take a 16-hour classroom uh, training session, which covers the, the, the full spectrum of firearms ownership, legality, storage. It covers the, law, uh, the laws regarding <clears throat> the use of deadly force, uh, just basic, some basic handgun maintenance, uh, and, and, and how to shoot. But it's a, I mean, to do it just basically, it's more of a, uh, you know, just show some of the basics to familiarize the, the, the attendees. You want to discuss, or we will discuss de-escalation techniques. I heard, I heard you talking about that. I'm talking about real de-escalation techniques, situational awareness, because God forbid, the last thing you want to do is draw a weapon and use it, especially in a place like New York City. New York City is, is, is going to look, you know, askance at someone who, who draws a weapon and uses it unless everything is done completely according to law. So we cover all these things. So you have to take that 16 hours. Then you have a two-hour range proficiency as- assessment. That's basically ensuring that you know how to make a weapon safe and empty, determine the condition of the weapon, and present the weapon drawn, drawing from, from a concealed, uh, uh, concealed carry position and engage a target with five rounds at a cl- at very, very close range, four yards, I think, is the, is the specified you know, it sounds actually, and I've done similar training in the Marine Corps, not not too much on the legality of it all, uh, but it sounds actually like it's interesting. I mean, those topics are 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 kind of fun to learn about. Uh, Sixteen hours? Do you do it what uh, over over a weekend? Uh, over what four nights a week? How does it work? Sixteen hours? Well, that's exactly it, both ways. So we do. We have for those people who want to do a Saturday and Sunday from ten to six, we do it that way. Others say, well, you know what, I'd like to come after work. So we have 5.30 to 9.30. Like we usually do that two times a month, uh, and that'll be like a Monday through Thursday. So either either way, and it's, the way we break it up, it's broken into different different blocks. So we have block one, two, three, four. So you could, if you wanted to, uh, come on a Sunday, take you know block two and three, or, or you know, I'm sorry, one and two or three or four, and mix and match that. So we try to make it as as convenient for the attendees as possible because we recognize people working at busy schedules. Uh, well, that's very cool. All right, so let's see. Once I graduate, assuming I graduate, uh, is there a test or anything at the end? I mean, you mentioned the thing, yeah, the practical app. i got to show proficiency with the weapon. Once I do that and I do all the 16 hours, what do I get? Do you give me a, a diploma, a certificate? What happens? And we have a ceremony. We play, <laughs> we play the music. <laughs> You're kidding. You're yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just a little. So you, you you get a certificate of completion, and you have to you have to show that along with your package. And by the way, every county in New York State is different. So not not I shouldn't say county in, in New York City, everything goes through one PP. I know you know that very well. The uh, the NYPD does does the the concealed carry uh, applications for the five boroughs. Elsewhere, if you're a resident of Nassau County or, or Broome County or Allegheny County, wherever you are, wherever you are within the state, you have to go to your local licensing authority. Generally, it's the county police, but you know there's some there's some variance. You have to contact them. You have to tell them, look, I've taken my I've taken my my uh, 16 hour and my two hour proficiency. I've got the certificate. What do I need? Actually, you should do that before you even contact us. Understand those application process process. Uh, rules before you come decide to take the class. Once you know you made the decision, then come see us. 
Okay, excellent. So, uh, and that, that's one thing they're going to be looking for. They're going to be looking for completion of this kind of course, especially here in New York. You got to have that certificate before you can really, before they're going to take you seriously. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, this course does not prepare anybody or d- d- does not in any way, shape, or form make you a proficient shooter or, or uh, take, the, take the place of regular and, and diligent training. If you make, if you're going to carry a firearm for any reason whatsoever, you really, need, you really need to make a, a commitment to train and know how to know how to use that that weapon. Um, so it's it's absolutely ingrained in you. It's like any any athletic or sporting event requires training, requires diligence, and just this, the 16 hours is just a basic entry, just to show the state or the city that you understand you've been taught, taught the basics, you understand some of the legalities, you know how to store a weapon safely at home, and if you end up not holding this, like, 25 topics that we cover. And you, know, and it's, you have to make the commitment to, to train afterward. No, I understand. It's kind of like a, a little bit, I think, like flying. You know, I flew uh, every day for, like, nine years, and it was my life. And uh, I am still a commercial pilot. Technically, I could rent a plane and... I'm not going to do that unless I get a lot of practice with an instructor because uh, you can get rusty. You can get rusty real quick. Hey, let me ask you, who are the type of people who are coming to Global Security Group? Uh, and by the way, go to globalsecuritygroup.com. You can get more information. You can register. Uh, what are your students like? What, profile them, if you would. There's no, no – I mean, we have – I mean – Every every possible different person, every different profession, um, a, a, a fair a large number of women um, expressing interest and in, and uh, in signing up. There, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you're aware, but the, the single largest group of firearms ownership um, is now women, or the growing group. If you look if you look at the purchasing statistics, more women are buying firearms. Why? Because they're interested in, in keeping themselves safe. So it's I, I couldn't I couldn't even I couldn't even begin to tell. we have a lot of we have you know because of uh, you know I'm a former federal agent my, my partner Mark Newback is a retired captain with the police department we're getting a lot of law enforcement because law enforcement's not exempt you're retired you want you can still carry you've got to take the course too so we get you know uh, very, really very very broad cross section I like it I like it a lot and I understand you have a facility uh, the offices for the for the course right by Penn Station right Yeah correct so our we do the classroom, the classroom portion of the the training. We do it's right on the corner of thirty third uh, West thirty third Seventh Avenue. The handgun qualification we do down at, at uh, the West Side Gun Club. It's on Twentieth Street. There, we have a great relationship with our friends down there. So, and we and we let people schedule that anytime convenient for them. We have a you know, we have you know blocks at all times of the day and different different days during the week. So it's two it's it's a two part process. We do the classroom. Then we do the firearms assessment. It's done whatever whatever schedule is convenient for you, and yeah. then, then you're done. And by the way, uh, don't bring your gun, right? This is you don't, you don't need a gun. You actually probably shouldn't even own one at this point, or a handgun. Depends on where you live. It gets complicated, but don't bring the gun. You guys will provide that during the practical application at the end, right? Uh, correct. In fact, just a good safety practice. You know, all, all our instructors, myself included, we're all former we're all former instructors either federally or, or a lot of guys from, from uh, NYPD who went through federal firearms training. So we don't carry guns in the training classroom for this ever because it's just not a, not a not appropriate safety practice. So we will ask you, a lot, a lot of the retired PD guys who have, who have currently have a, a concealed carry license or they're carrying pursuant to federal law, H.R. 218, if they come in, they say, look, I'm armed, we have, we have a safe, we lock it up, and we, we, we actually check everybody before we come to the classroom. We don't, 
one and he and, and he Alec Baldwin full pause. So oh gosh, yeah, I know, I know. There's that that guy. Can you believe it? Well, all right, totally understood. And by the way, uh, David Katz and his team there, these guys are the best of the best. You know, you've heard of uh, Israeli commandos and how good those guys are. Uh, Global Security Group and uh, these guys—they've actually trained them. That's uh, that's pretty high-end stuff. In addition to FBI and ATF and all the guys that we have here. Hey, let me ask you this real quick. Uh, what's the first? Do you remember the first time you ever fired a gun? Uh, where were you? How old were you? What was that all about? Okay, uh, this would be funny. I was seven, and. Uh, way uh, okay. This is way beyond the statute of limitations. My father, may rest in peace, was a competitive shooter, and he was actually uh, I think it was I think he won I think it was top rifle shot in his battalion in the army. So he had he was a warehouseman, and he had like five or six friends who were who were they were NYPD detectives, and they asked him if he could build a private range in the warehouse. So he, he did. He had it. I mean, he it just it was it was a really well made facility. And dad, you know, he was a believer in, in uh, you know, teaching teaching uh, his boys to shoot at a very young age. I remember uh, I remember shooting a twenty two caliber pistol first. Uh, I got my first rifle when I was eight. It was a Marlin thirty nine A lever action rifle. Damn. I remember at eight, yeah, at age eight, I was already into, I was already firing. Uh, I was already practicing bullseye shooting with uh, with a uh, Smith and Wesson revolver. So I had and, a cap uh, gun. I yeah. had a cap gun until I was thirteen. <laughs> they would have given me a real gun. Yeah. Wow, you're dead. I'm. I'm really. I'm surprised at that. I, you know, but <laughs> no. Wait, well, look, we lived. Uh, you know, we didn't exactly live in the country. It was a garden city. He did let me. He actually taught me how to shoot. He really did. He taught me how to shoot and uh, everything I learned about shooting. I learned some stuff in the Marine Corps, but I first heard it from him. Sight alignment, trigger squeeze, pull the trigger so gradually. This is for marksmanship that it surprises you when it goes off. So it's very interesting. You know, on TV, bam, 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 bam. If you want to hit something, you ever notice in television? Uh, and in the movies, nobody seems to know how to aim, <laughs> especially especially James Bond. Well, there's, that's a that's a fantastic point you just raised. There is a huge difference between the fundamentals of marksmanship and and combat shooting. Because if you're like if you like taken to a logical extreme, okay, so you line up the sights, you exhale partially, you start pressing the trigger, you're pulling at that gradual squeeze and bang, the guns off. The gun goes off when it's ready to. Don't force it. That that is inapplicable. If if you know you're walking down the street and someone pulls a knife, and tries to harm you, you're going to draw, present the weapon, and fire. So you need the 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 techniques that you'd use for combat shooting are entirely different. But that notwithstanding, you start with basic marksmanship because until you until you master those techniques, you can't move on to com- to combat shooting. No, I or, understand. If you look, you know, so you got to know the basics. You got to know the basics before you take it uh, up a notch or two or a thousand. Uh, listen, David Katz, we thank you very much. Go to globalsecuritygroup.com, globalsecuritygroup.com for more information. You can register. The course sounds very, very interesting. And I'll see you in class, David. Thank you. I look forward to having you. Thanks so much. Okay, you bet. And we'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, I appreciate you guys uh, waiting to talk. Uh, John in Staten Island, yes, sir. Hey, Greg. I'm wondering if there's a way that I can you one second. I'm a little windy here. <laughs> oh, sorry. Hey, so my point is this. That, that Schumer comes out to say uh, Tucker Carlson is an opinionator, right, whatever. 
the guy was a newscaster way way back when. Why don't we get uh, and the uh, Capitol Police officer and all the people on the committee to sit down and watch this video, and I want to see him squirm to try to yeah. get out of it where he can. Right. No, they're attacking the uh, messenger, not the message. That's what they're trying to do. And, uh, oh, shoot, there's the music. Let me just try Robert real quick. Robert, yes. Hi, Greg. Have you seen video where there is allegedly two or three busloads of Antifa protesters, agitators, who went out and riot gear? I have not seen them in buses. I have seen what I believe are Antifa people changing their clothes and doing all kinds of crazy stuff and agitating the situation. Thank you. I'll see you tonight at 10.